Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning to everybody out there and welcome to another show of Healthy You, Wealthy You. I'm truly blessed and excited to be in the seat together with my co-host, Faggy, today. And today we're going to be discussing something very, very interesting and something, honestly, that has been on my mind a lot this last week. Not only because it's been affecting me personally, but I see around around me in, in, in society, in South Africa, particularly now that we have hit the eye of the storm and we really are... Um, I guess in, in, certainly in a psychological sense, trying to go back down to lockdown five because of, um, the severity of COVID out there that a lot of us are, are suffering from anxiety, suffering from fear, suffering from the inability to move forward because this COVID is in our face and wherever we look on the news stream media, our friends, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you are looking, it seems that there's nothing more in this world than the, and COVID. And yes, while it is a reality, and I am not negating that, nonetheless, it, I think it is actually pulling everybody down and stopping everybody to function. So today we are going to have a very interesting discussion with a trauma therapist, and we are going to explore ways of how we can actually live productive positive, um, inspirational lives, albeit that there is a storm that is happening around us. Of course, we would always love your feedback. So if you'd like to join the conversation, you can SMS 34519 and uh, we can put your question to our trauma therapist. Um, as everybody knows out there, Faye and I run a WhatsApp group, a Healthy You, Wealthy You WhatsApp group. If you would like to join that group, you are most welcome as well. Um, you can send an email to info at chaifm.com and give us your name and your cell number. Of course, you have to have WhatsApp on your phone, and we will gladly enjoy uh, and join you up. And thirdly, just as a reminder, Healthy You, Wealthy You is about exploring different ways that we can uh, look at our health. We are thinking out of the box. At all times, everything that is said on this program must be subject and must be under the tutelage of a doctor of your choice. And we are just here to plant seeds and give you food for thought uh, to allow you to live a more vibrant, a much more healthier life. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Indeed it is. Good morning, Faggy. Good morning, Adol. How are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? Back to the I, cold? Yes, and apparently to get much, much colder, I am planning a hot chocolate and pajama day for, 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 for Shabbos, for Saturday. I believe it's going down to minus one. No, no need to venture out, even if there is no COVID. Um, I'm staying under the blankets. <laughs> I think we might even be expecting some snow. Really? Oh, that would be very exciting. Then we'll venture out to see if we can, uh, <laughs> we definitely can play around. Our chocolate too. Exactly, exactly. Well, it gives us great pleasure to invite onto the show Peter Clyde Fagan. 
Peter has an honors in psychoneuroimmunology. She's an evolved neurolinguistics uh, programming life coach, a hypnotherapist, a timeline therapist, an EFT therapist. I'm I, I, I'm involved in business. I thought maybe she was doing something, you know, over the internet, but she's not. It's called the Emotional <laughs> Freedom Techniques Practitioner. And honestly, I do. I practice EFT really. I'm just uh, pulling everybody's legs. And um, Peter is going to come on to the show now to help us unravel and understand what trauma is all about. Welcome, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. We're very, very excited. I know you and I had started a whole chat last night. We might as well have had a radio show last night. Um, <laughs> when I'm looking at your, at, at, your, at, your, at your CV and where you've come and where you've gone, um, what struck me this morning was that you actually experienced the tsunami and this started um, your entire journey about what trauma is all about. Would you like to take us through that as an introduction? Sure, sure. Um, so... Yes, I was privileged enough to uh, be in that extraordinary event in Thailand in the tsunami. And it was a very, very uh, pinnacle point in my life. The experience taught me a hell of a lot about human suffering, about empathy, about understanding the human condition. At the time, I was actually an actress. And uh, when I came back from the tsunami, I went straight into a touring company and my safety was threatened again and I was hit with post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, at the time, I didn't know what that was. I just felt like I was going insane. Um, I was hypervigilant. I was anxious. I had sweaty palms all the time. Um, I wasn't so pleasant. My temperament was all over the place. And what happened is I decided to turn that anxiety and those really uncomfortable, distressing emotions into a driver to find out what is going on. And thankfully, at the time, it was completely beshared. There was this course that specialized in trauma, the B-Psych Honors Trauma Specialization. And I really found myself, found my calling and have been going strong, you know, 13, 14 years since. <laughs> what, what I find amazing about this, and it's maybe something we can touch more, and maybe we're starting at, you know, starting at the end and not at the beginning, yes. was that, um, you know, in our discussions that we had last night, I was saying that, you know, we are not negating or taking away the human suffering that is happening right now, the, the anxiety and the trauma that is around us. And the instability. But what we need to find within ourselves is that calling, that ability to say, well, God has put me in the situation now. What can I do to turn it around and make it a positive experience? What can I do to be inspired to go out and help myself, help other people and kind of fix my world, you know, make my world better as opposed to just being allowed to drown in this like vortex of, of, of negativity and, you know, feel that you just, you, you, you're peddling water at very best. Absolutely. I think that, you know, there's no secret that we are living in such uncharted territory. And it's very, very, very distressing to see that the life we once led is completely different. But it's actually bringing about enormous opportunity as well. And it's about tapping into our internal resources. 
You know, this week I had a very, very smart uh, client. Uh, I tend to have very smart clients. I'm very lucky. <laughs> and this one particular smart client made reference to a webinar that actually Adrian Gore gave. And he made a very smart statement saying that the difference between the Western world and the Eastern world is that the Western world builds things on the outside to bring in a piece. But the Eastern world build on the inside because we already exist and we know we exist in a broken world. And it sat with me so enormously because this is the opportunity that we've actually been given. The anxiety that we're sitting with, the limits and restrictions that have been placed on us are actually an opportunity to see new boundaries. What can we do within these new boundaries? Right, right, and I, I think that's the that's that's the um, uh, the, the actually the, the what what is it the oxymoron the the, the change we we are more bound we are more restricted, yeah. But in truth, we should find out that we are actually more free. Exactly, and it's interesting because you know, of course, when we have restrictions, it's human nature to want to try and control it. We don't like to feel trapped. It is very, very, very uncomfortable. And when we're feeling uncomfortable, we tap into the distressing emotions that are associated with trauma, which are helplessness and hopelessness. So this helplessness and hopelessness, unfortunately, unlocks all the files in our unconscious mind from all the times in the past where we felt these emotions. And so a lot of people are sitting in this distressed state, and that is what has been exacerbating you know, the the anxiety in the negative light is that we feel like we are reliving these traumatic experiences based on the fact that our emotions are familiar. Does I feel, is- though, that like from the beginning of lockdown, so many of us have felt that like sense of we're not in control. I feel yes. like as humans, we try and be in control of so many situations in our lives yes. that when when COVID came along, we literally had no control of anything. And not only the, the lack of control that we, we actually thought we had, Adel and I, we discuss this quite often, Adel, um, mm-hmm. is aside from just that feeling of not being in control, um, is the unknown. Like exactly. everything to us is unknown. Our day-to-day life is unknown. Um, what's going to happen is unknown. Are we going to get sick is unknown. So all of this obviously adds to, that, to those emotions and to that trauma. 100%. But what is also interesting is that what you've described is all the things on the outside. And this is about encouraging what is actually going on on the inside. You know, in the beginning of lockdown, everyone had this incredible chiss of, you know, we can do this, we're going to exercise, we're going to bond as a family. And a lot of people actually experienced that. What has happened to that? Why are we not holding on to those incredible moments? Of course, it's not as, um, you know, abundant, the hours that we are spending at home. A lot of us, please God, have jobs to do, and our kids are, you know, doing their, their schoolwork online or back at schools. But there are beautiful pearls that happen during those five weeks that I really would like to encourage people to just take stock and invite back into their lives. Little Yeah. I mean, I was telling Adel, I was telling you last night, you know, some of the things my husband and I did, we played cards. So on Shabbat, we play cards still. You know, we walk up and down our driveway, even though we are able now to walk outside 
when we are feeling a little bit edgy and we walk up and down the driveway still, it is a connection. It is an ability to just reset and recharge from the inside. We are going to have to go for a little bit of a break now. If anybody would like to join this conversation, three, uh, please SMS us on 34519. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, welcome back. And we are discussing the anxiety and the fear and where we can find positive outlets to assist us in that. Peter, I know that you deal with different modalities in the treatment of trauma. So let's start talking about NLP. Everybody hears about neuro-linguistic programming. What, what is it and what can it do for us? The NLP is, if we break it down, it's the, the brain and your language and the patterning and how all of these things can determine the quality of your life. So essentially, the language you use can determine the quality of your life. So it's, it's such a fascinating um, study that was done many, many years ago, which, which came also contributed to the birth of NLP, is that thoughts and experiences are experienced in the body the exact same way. So if you have a thought and you don't actually have that experience, the body doesn't know. It feels like it's already had it. So our thoughts need to be clear. Our language needs to be consciously thought about because it will have an impact on how we live our lives. Mm. So NLP is all about putting those connections together. And what type of, how does that therapy work? Like if I come to you and I say, you know, I don't know, do NLP on me or I mean, how how, how does it, how do you, what are you doing to train me to think and to speak in a specific way? So how I traditionally like to start it off is I introduce this concept of the wheel and the wheel is looking at the self-concept and the self-concept introduces what is it that you want specifically with your life? So we're not looking at what you don't want. We want to look at what you do want because all of us um, have this incredible unconscious mind. But every single one of our unconscious minds are actually equivalent to five-year-old children. Now, therein lies a little bit of the problem because five-year-old children don't process negative language. So if you say to a five-year-old, do not touch my computer, it hears, touch my computer. So we say in our minds, I will not eat today, the unconscious mind hears, I will eat chocolates today, right? And it's quite amazing because we will think we're winning against eating that chocolate, but that's the conscious mind intersecting. But once we are exhausted and we've reached the end of our day and we don't have those internal resources, we land on that chocolate because your unconscious mind's job is to serve and protect you. So it is going to help you get there to what it is that you asked for. So the NLP process is essentially taking you through understanding how your language actually impacts the filter you use to make sense of your world. What is it that you're focusing on and how are you helping yourself get there by looking at the language that you use? How does it work, Peter, with the, like with the eye movements when you actually assess a patient with NLP? Okay. So NLP, the, the eye movement that, that Faggy, you're perhaps talking about is EMDR, um, and that's a, a trauma process, a technique to to help defrag trauma. That's not what I practice. The NLP is this, is um, body cues and sensory acuity. So we're connected 
um, through all of these different cues. We either visual, auditory, kinesthetic, or audio digital. So I'm getting quite technical here. So I, I'm going to just try to walk you through those quite um, simplistically. When someone is visual, they tend to be looking up. Okay, they tend to look up when they're describing things, when they're creating an image or recalling things. So that's perhaps what the visual part. When they're auditory, you'll notice they look side to side. They're actually looking at where their ears are. Okay, they're hearing. And when they're in kinesthetic, which is your emotions, they generally tend to look down. Okay, so that's how it connects through your visual, your, your visual plane into the brain. So I think that is that answering your question, Peggy? Yes, thank you. And also, um, how does it, how, do you connect the gut brain issue, the gut brain connection, as in if you are going to assess the patient, or is that also the EMDR? So the gut brain connection, I mean, that's more of a medical. As story. in, as in, like I know someone that went, wanted to go and do the NLP, and the practitioner basically said that I'm going to send you to a nutritionist to get your gut right, because if your gut's not right, your brain can't get to the level that we wanted to get to. So what you're describing is a beautiful holistic approach, right? We have to rely on our physiology to assist our cognition to to be in partnership, okay? So the gut health is very important, but it's a whole nother <laughs> topic okay. altogether. But, yes, it's, it's a very common thing that in order for the cognition and the therapy to work, we've got to get the physiology on board. But I'm not sure what that specific um, case was. Okay, we, we've, we've actually discussed gut health um, a number of times. On the show, we will continue um, discussing it. I can tell you myself, I've taken an, a path to heal my gut even more now. Um, yes. I'm sitting drinking all funny uh, green smoothies right now and bone broth and goodness knows what, but I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, and, you know, um, hopefully it will, it will just enhance um, yeah. You know this, this this holistic view. You 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 told me that you do um, cutting edge work now called BWRT, brain working recursive therapy. Did I get that right? What yes. is that? Yes. <laughs> so brain working recursive therapy. It's been around for about six to eight years. It's still relatively new, and it's based in neuroscience and neuropsychology. It is absolutely fascinating. It is not long-winded processes. They are a series of protocols based on whatever it is the, the client presents with, whether it's grief, whether it is trauma, um, or the likes. And it's based on the premise that our unconscious mind, we now know for sure that our unconscious mind reacts a third of a second faster than your awareness. So we will end up having a panic attack before we've even registered that we're, we're going to do it. So what this does, this therapy actually goes to the point of impact when the unconscious mind decided to record the reaction. It goes to that root cause, and through the protocols, it dumps it. It lets it go. And we start to create new neurological pathways, which encourages the brain to store trauma differently. We can retrain the way we have stored our traumas and and actually allow the bodies to deregulate, to allow us to feel in a position that we've actually got a hold over it. We gain the we get rid of the helplessness and the hopelessness. We gain that mastery. It's fascinating work. As you're How talking, I, does it work? Yeah, like, I, is, I, I, is, I, it, is it body thing. talk? Is it tapping? Is it putting things on your brain? How exactly does it work? <laughs> it is it's rewiring everything. 
It's we are it's rewiring. No, it's it, there's no no plugs and no electrical equipment required. It is purely language. So why I love the BWRT is because it's actually pooling together all the different modalities that I believe in. There's the NLP in it. There's a little bit of a hypnosis element to it, but not entirely. But there is. It's all in a protocol. So it's talk therapy. The client is sitting in front of me, uh, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's in my office, which unfortunately I'm not doing at the moment, so it's over Zoom at the moment. And it is all about them listening to the prompts and the cues that I take them through as they go through their traumatic experience, and we, we disconnect it. So it's – and it can take 20 minutes. It's, it's not this long process. Um, but it's, it's unbelievable. When I did it, I couldn't believe it. In fact, I did the training because I didn't believe it. It's one of the things I do when I'm, I'm skeptical about something. I have to understand it and learn about it. And when I experienced myself, it was mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. The fascinating thing about trauma is that it could be something extreme and it could be something like that we, like an average person would say that is simple but really is a major trauma to someone. So, I mean, a tsunami is a major trauma, but... It could also be that a child being taken to a hospital for a root canal, that's their trauma. 100%. It's all about perspective. You know, it's all about this unbelievable understanding. I was listening to a podcast with Brene Brown um, last week, and she speaks about grief and trauma and loss and how everybody's definitions of those are completely different and deserve a space. You can't compare to the next person because perspective is also about life experience. So however far, you know, if you're taking a child's traumatic experience of root treatment, that is their perspective. They haven't lived many years into my, I was in my 20s, you know, when I went through the tsunami. They they don't know that perspective. So it's all about that relative perspective. Well, so let me just ask you, if, if, if I haven't had or I can't access a specific trauma, Right. Uh, thank God. Was it in the tsunami or like I don't see a, a specific trauma, but I feel anxious and yeah. I feel fearful. And, and we spoke a little bit about that also last night that that sometimes, you know, you don't even know that you've got you, you've you've actually recorded in your mind something that like triggers it off. How, yeah. how do you get to the root of it? If I come and say to you, look, there's nothing really wrong with me. I'm just walking around with a sense of anxiety and fear all the time. I can't get a grip and I can't move forward now. But I, I mean, I didn't live a tsunami. I didn't, uh, you know. Yes. I, but that that is about exploring. So you know, when you had that that trigger that happened, there was something in your environment that allowed that trigger to happen. So that's my job to start unpacking. And we can just work with the last time you were triggered, and then it starts to unravel. You see, it all comes down to this unbelievable unconscious mind. The unconscious mind will serve and protect you. So it's only when it feels safe will it actually deliver the information that it needs. So when you work the first trigger, we start to give the message to the unconscious mind that it's okay to do things differently. Let's reframe, and it will start to present things. That's often in a therapeutic process where clients may think that they're getting worse, and they'll back away. But actually, that's when the beauty works. That is Mm -hmm. where the magnificence starts to unravel. It's the most exciting part of the therapy. Do you, are you able to pick up from a person just by the way they describe things and, and, and speak about things like 
where they're actually holding? Personally, yes. Yes. I, uh, I can. <laughs> I think that's, that's why we, we say we're in practice, right? So yeah. you practice so much that you get attuned. You, you know, there's a certain way that a person holds themselves, uh, speaks about themselves and describes their environment and their situations. So we can definitely pick that up. Yeah. So once you, once you actually pick up that specific trauma, you then guide them to, uh, become the, their best self or, you know, kind of fulfill their dreams. It's not like that you just pick up on that trauma and that's it. They kind of are able to do things on their own. Do you still guide them? Absolutely. Uh, you know, so, believe it or not, some people are able to just move on. It has a domino effect. Okay. So some people are able to, but it's also not, um, it, 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 it's not always the case, but it is about that guidance and constant reframing. You know, when we've held a belief for so long, we need to feel secure before we can really allow the difference to happen. But it, it, you know, these processes don't need to be years and years and years of therapy, which is what is exciting for me as a therapist. It's results orientated and driven. I feel, I feel though a lot of this is also pre-COVID that like yeah. we can come to you, we can come for a session, we can work on our thing, we can go and live our lives. You know, yeah. everything is like practical and real and that's what we feel that's life, that's what life is all about. But practically yeah. speaking, during COVID times where people are like paralyzed at home with fear or will not go anywhere, uh, don't go to shops, they've completely stopped their lives in many, you know, many different ways. How practically during COVID can people kind of overcome fears at home or do things at home on their own? Such a good question. I'm so glad you've asked that because the thing is, the reason why we react the way we react to COVID is actually based on past experiences. Mm-hmm. So it is pre-COVID, but that's just because it's the human nature, right? So it's not about Correct. this can't apply to how we're dealing with things now. How you are dealing with what is going on now is a consequence of how you have dealt with past experiences. And so if we're brave enough to actually decide to do the work, this is the time. I love that. <laughs> I love that because I keep on saying to, to people, you know, what, what is, what is making COVID, pe- making people so crazy about COVID? I mean, at the end of the day, if you logically sit and work things out, and again, I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I'm underlying and putting in bold, I'm not underestimating the, you know, the reality of COVID and the danger of COVID, but there's much more dangerous things in the world than COVID. You know, more people are dying statistically from, from other illnesses. There, there are, you know, the, the threat and the, the, the destruction of the economic situation, you know, is, is huge. There are so many things and we're obsessed with this COVID. Why? I think, uh, you know, that for me, it is an, uh, it's something that you can't touch, something you can't find it. Like it, it's something like that, that's, that's lurking around. And if you could find it, we would blow it up. We would kill it. We would poison it. We would, yeah. we would find something that we can control in order to stamp it out. It's so, mm-hmm. it's that, that unknown in, in us. And I think that's what's rattling everybody. It's unknown. It's not only is it unknown, but it's also a collective consciousness at the moment, right? Everybody is talking about it. Everybody has a fear. At this moment in time, I'm sure everybody knows someone that has it and has been affected by it. 
So it's it's very interesting. It, it comes back to something that I, you know, I touched on in my thesis many years ago, where I was comparing post-traumatic stress responses to 9-11 and then the tsunami. 9-11, we had something to blame. We had terrorism to blame. We knew where to channel the anger, that everyone was hunting down Osama bin Laden successfully, but we still are on the hunt of terrorism. That is that is where we channel it. Then you have something like the tsunami, and that's Hashem's business. Mm-hmm. That is Hashem's business. That's human suffering. That is, you know, we, we, we have to dig deep. We have to connect with faith. We have to connect to our spirit selves, you know. And I think that that is about the inside work. And this is what I feel I I really do direct my clients on doing, on moving onto the inside work because the outside is completely unpredictable and it's okay that it's unpredictable. Yes, yes, yes. But what can we tap into inside? That's why, and I think even more, the COVID virus is even worse in the tsunami because even now the tsunami, we've learned to control, right? Now you walk in Thailand and they go and say, this is what you've got to do. We now, you know, measuring to see if there's an earthquake and if there's an earthquake, we're going to tell you, you've got to run. This is where you've got to go. This is what you've got to do. This COVID, nobody knows what the freak we're supposed to do. Yes, there's discussions. Yes, is it airborne? Is it not airborne? Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Do we do the, is there a vaccine? Is there not a vaccine? It, it just, it's, it just keeps on going on and saying, hello, I'm unknown, I'm unknown, I'm unknown. And I think, I think until the collective consciousness actually understands, stop looking on the outside to fix it, but start fixing your inner reality, we're like actually not going to overcome this in a, in a, in a greater way. Exactly. Yeah. I, I also you- found that the irony is that people have, people have so much fear. Everything yeah. is fear. You literally paralyze yourself and you're just full of fear. People don't even leave their houses and, I've, I've heard so many stories of people that don't even leave their houses but got COVID. And then the people yeah. that just leave the houses and do everything and go to work and go to shops and they're fine. The concept of fear and over, like it overtakes everything. It does. It absolutely does. And it's so interesting. Last night I received, um, an SMS from one of my clients, another very clever client, right? And I actually said, I'm using this tomorrow on the talk show because I actually, it, it sums us all up. And it, the quote is this. A bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because its trust is not on the branch, but on its ability to fly. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant. If anybody would like to join the conversation, ask any questions of our guest, Peter Klein. Fagan, you are most welcome. SMS 34519. We are going to go for a little bit of a break and we will continue the discussion. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. We're discussing how to get over our trauma or how to actually start analyzing and understanding the anxiety and fear that is around us, inside of us and in our society right now because of the unknowns out there. And we're talking to Peter Klein Fagan, who is a trauma therapist and life coach. You know, in the beginning of the um, talk, we spoke about EFT, and I told you I always knew that as electronic funds transfer. But EFT also stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. Um, and uh, maybe, Peter, you could tell us a little bit about that and if it's something that we can implement ourselves um, and how does the whole thing work. Great. Um, emotional Freedom Technique is amazing. It's based in kinesiology and Chinese medicine. And what it does is it taps, you're doing tapping on various points in the body, which is, which they call meridians. 
And what this does, when you're tapping on certain points and meridians, it recalibrates the energy flow. So it's such an interesting process. It's one of the, the therapeutic techniques that requires the negative emotion to be stated out loud first because that creates almost like a break in your, your comfortable energy flow. So you've got the break in that comfortable energy flow. You start the tapping, and one of the phrases that I use with my clients is, let's say, even though I am completely anxious um, and I'm too scared to leave my house, I still completely and utterly love and accept myself. And you repeat different phrases with the negative and then securing it with the positive, tapping on those different meridians. And energetically, that's the the kinesiology and the Chinese medicine, it recalibrates. It's an unbelievable process. It's a technique I use a lot with with, um, the children that I see and a, a lot of adults as well. Absolutely. Yes. I actually, I, I, comment I, I, over there about children. There's so many children that deal with so much, so many emotions and yeah. anxieties. I'm sure the EFT is incredible for them. It is because what they're doing is they're mastering their own process. They are tapping. I teach them the, the, the routine, if you like. Um, and we, we work the routine. We write these sentences together, which validates that their negative emotions have a space. But it doesn't stop them from loving themselves and accepting things. And Beautiful. their mastery is all about healing from trauma. It's getting rid and dealing with or integrating. That's the word. We integrating what that helplessness and hopelessness has actually pushed us to do, which is can to heal. Can I ask you a question, which is something that we were having, I was having a discussion with some family members this past week. Like, we as adults are obviously trying to process what is happening around us. And, you know, the children themselves are restricted to a large extent. Yes, you know, our kids have thrived in certain aspects at home, but you're also seeing a lot of frustration from them because a lot of them are socialites. They, you know, they want to be with their friends. They they, they need to go out there. They're being boxed up. What? Um, are, are we having a, a, a very bad negative impact on our children? Like, are we, are we going to be raising kind of like a, not a generation, but I guess like a, a bunch of kids that this trauma of COVID is going to be as significant, is as significant as say a tsunami. And the second part to my question is what can we do? What can we say? How can we behave? to help the kids through this time so that it doesn't leave such an imprint on them. So when this all started, I remembered um, reading something that our children will forever remember the time when school was closed. They will forever remember the time where parents weren't allowed to go to work to the shops with as much freedom as they used to, or go with them to the shops at least. And we need to be very cognizant of how we manage the energy around it so that we can help shape their experience of this. And I think that kind of answers both of those questions in that, yes, this is definitely affecting our children. There's no doubt about it. And how we can do or what we can do about it is to have open communication. Um, I find that families that are allowing their anxiety to have a space, meaning that they talk about it, that they validate it, and then together come up with what is it that they would like to be doing and how we can find 
the version of it that's appropriate now. So myself personally, we, we, not, we weren't a very iPad-friendly uh, family. And now my children socialize on their iPads. They play video games with oh, video games. Ah, they play games online and they they Zoom with their friends and they do activities together. Um, is it different? Absolutely. You know, being in front of a screen is not healthy for so many hours in a day. But this is how we need to adapt. To have the kids not have a social interaction, I think is more damaging. What, what about smaller kids? So like when you start talking like grade one upwards, you know, then yeah. you can kind of give the kids structure that they've also been having Zoom classes. Yeah. What happens to the kids that are like one to five, you know, where their whole world really, even when they went to school, was a world of play, you know, yeah. and of interaction, interaction, and they don't have the zits flesh to sit in front of a computer and, you know, talk to their friend. What do you do with those kids? Well, we play. We play. It's as simple as that. You know, get down on the floor. You don't need expensive things. I mean, my girls were fascinated by Tupperware. You know, we, we've got lots of different modalities at home that don't actually require us to be the most um, creative people in the world. It does help if you've got an extra injection of creativity. And I think with the way, you know, the resources that are available to us, such as Pinterest, um, OTs, the schools are providing different materials, you know, there's no reason why the kids can't continue playing. It's the parent's job to do their own work around managing their own anxiety so that they can be available to play with the kids. Maybe the, ch- maybe the parents need to play. <laughs> <laughs> we joke. I think also the other children are actually like, you know, seeing the anxieties of the parents in, in their ways. Exactly. So they're feeding of what their parents are feeling. In other words, if a, if a parent, you know, relationships are being challenged and people's yes. jobs are being challenged and people's works are being challenged, like that, that type of stuff they bring more into the home than, than anything else. Well, we know that, you know, kids pick up on energy. It's all about energy. And this is part of the, the very heavy burden um, we, we have as parents is that we really do need to do our work so that our kids can see how we divide and conquer and how we pause and and integrate and collect, because that's part of life. It's no use hiding those things, but it is imperative to show a process that does um, action and that moves forward. Right. And we really have to be able to dig deep. Like if it's not our nature to show that positive energy all the time, we really have to learn that, you know, to show that to our children. Well, let's, let's also just be clear about being positive. It's not about faking it till you make it. You know, being positive is about identifying what you want. It's not about I'm happy and I'm smart and it's not that. It's about I want to be able to navigate through this difficult time with my family intact. I want to communicate effectively so that I can see where everybody is holding and make space for them. That's being positive. So it's that that's going to make the difference. One of the things that I've been, I've been sharing, I run, I run a pod, a podcast called The Infinite Loop and what it's basically, I, I call it a conversation with myself because I, you know, I'm going through the process myself and, and just sharing my thoughts with other people. But one of the things I've been speaking about a lot is that, um, we are generally, we generally were, um, people that we could be described as do have be means we were doing things so we can have things so that we can be. 
We're really now, coronavirus is demanding that we be, do, have. Learn to be, learn to work out who you are in essence, because then you can go out and do what you have to, and you will get what you, what, what, what you want. You, you will have what you need. And yes. it's, it's, it's such a hard job that to keep yeah. on centering yourself more and saying, I'm not a product of what's happening and what's coming towards me, but I am a product of what's inside of me and how I can, you know, push outwards. And it's about taking that time to start to address all of these needs. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you can tap into your resources, reach out to family, reach out to therapists, reach out to your support network and start the process, you will be forever changed in a positive light. And that's the goal. Great. That's been fantastic. We are going to go for a little bit of a break. Um, we've got a couple of minutes afterwards. If you still want to ask any questions, 34519, uh, we're waiting for that SMS. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Peggy Stern. Welcome back. And as always, we could land up discussing this for hours on end. And I think that, you know, um, in our discussion, we've actually understood that we should be working from the inside out, that we should be maybe, not maybe, we should be reframing our lives in a different uh, different way. Uh, Peter, can you give our listeners out there a few positive outlets, like practical advice as to two or three things that maybe we can simply change in our lifestyle that will help us start turning the corner and changing the way we look at things? Absolutely. Um, you, you know, it's also going to be interesting is that these practical bits of information aren't revolutionary. They're things we do anyway. We just don't have the consciousness connect to it. So... We know that the only way the body dissolves stress hormones naturally is actually through exercise. Exercise is the most important thing to move anxiety, the anxious energy, and to dissolve these stress hormones. And you only need to start off with 20 minutes. So finding an outlet, whether it is running, whether it is jumping on a trampoline if you have a trampoline, whether it is just walking, cycling, all of those things are imperative. The next thing right, I always right. say is find a creative outlet that you may have always wanted to try. Personally, I am an avid coloring girl. <laughs> coloring. Right. I don't know what that is. I love to color in. I find it very therapeutic and calming. I put music on whilst I'm doing it. I encourage, I've got two beautiful daughters. I encourage them to sit down and color in with me. Not my page, their own page, but that's a whole <laughs> nother story. And it's all about finding that rhythm that allows you to slow down your central nervous system. If you battle to do that on your own, I would advise going for things like craniosacral therapy, for reflexology, body talk, all the things that help slow down the central nervous system. Remember in the beginning we said that the physiology has to align with your cognition, your mind, we are mind-body, not mind and body. So if we can connect and allow the body to slow down, the mind can follow. So having creative outlets, having exercise, using resources in terms of alternative therapies or going for uh, talk therapy as well, very, very, very important. Um, I mentioned music. 
Music is huge, absolutely huge to assist in allowing us to calm down. It can allow us to hop up, to do little, uh, we have dance parties in our kitchen often, you know, to do these little dance parties to allow yourself to, out, to have an outlet. Um, right. Some of the few that are just coming off the top of my head. There are plenty others, which I'm right. sure. And I'm, I'm looking at a lot of messages that have come in, and now they've suddenly like come through, through, through from the controller. That unfortunately we can't get to. But let me just say to those that are out there um, that were mentioning um, that the circumstantial. Um, uh, environment is getting them down. I hope that Peter has given you now some outlets of, you know, where your mind is, that is where you're at. And if we start acting out in that way, you know, that is when you do turn a corner. One other person asked um, if we can name a whole lot of incidents, feel the emotion and add what we would have liked the outcome to be and see ourselves at that time feeling better, does that work without a therapist? Can you answer that in literally 30 seconds? That is what the Brain Working Recursive Therapy addresses directly. That's exactly what we do. I love that question. Okay, there you go. Well, Peter, it's been an incredible pleasure having you on the show Um, again. You know, this is about enlightenment and, and, and looking at ourselves more holistically. If you would like to get hold of Peter, you can email her at Peter, P for, P for Peter, P-E-T-A though, <laughs> P-E-T-A at P-E-T-A, Fagan, F-E-I-G-I-N dot C-O dot Z-A. And, um, you know, be in touch with her and let her take you on that journey. Really thank you, Peter, for your time, for your expertise. It's been really great chatting to you. Thank you, Fagy, for joining me thank on this Thank you, journey. Abel. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much. Thank you, and We'll be back again, same time, same place next week with a, another show on teaching you how to be more healthy. Have a wonderful week ahead.